Well, welcome everyone to another podcast for Aves, uh, a podcast as we, we have been working with uh, different people from, from the world. Again, we have uh, another guest uh, today that we will be speaking in English uh, for this podcast. As you know, we have Spanish, English so far, and in the future, if more languages are able to come to the podcast, more than welcome. <laughs> But for now, we have um, Alexander Toidi, uh, if I pronounce it right, right Toidi. Yes. Yeah. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, hey, everyone. So uh, we invited today uh, Alexander. He's, a, he's a, an electronic engineering. He also learned physics and mathematics in the University of Iran. He's, he's Fahan. And um, he, he immigrated to Australia in 2002, and he's been uh, developing his career as a structural drafter uh, and developing another uh, plugins, Excel, AutoCAD, VBA, Visual Basic, uh, if anyone is familiar with the language. Actually, it's a, I, I worked with a, with a person that was also using this Visual Basic guide. I, personally, I don't know it, but I, I know it's a really nice application. And, um, and welcome, Alexander. Thanks for, Thank you so for much. being here. Yeah. And um, today we're going to speak, uh, we're going to have a chat about uh, computational design in general. So... Sure. Everyone, um, I hope you enjoyed this special episode for, for Abyss and with the collaboration of Alexander. So welcome, and uh, I give you the, the word for now. So hello, everyone. Um, uh, as Sam said, like um, Alex, my name is. I'm currently living in Sydney, Australia. Uh, computer engineer and electronic engineer, but working um, um, With BIM, different various BIM platforms and um, trying to bring computational um, platforms into construction and uh, utilize them. So yeah, I've been um, I've been giving a um, very interesting list of questions by Sam, and uh, what I'll do is just go one by one through the questions and see what we can do or what we can answer there. Okay. Uh, so so let's yeah let's go ahead and let's start with, um, with the first question. Uh, uh, what is the computation and computation and why we use it in our domain in our field, Alex? How do you see so, this? Well, um, the way that I uh, like to think about uh, computation in general is um, um, we are. Um, people refer to it as algorithmic geometries or algorithmic architecture as well. So sort of like instead of a conventional way of um, drawing things and 3D modeling things um, hand with hand, like based on the specific the specification of the designs, uh, what these platforms allows us to do, like kind of in terms of geometry, if you only want to talk geometry now, like uh, it allows to like kind of... Um, Um, let you to build a relationship between the elements based on a certain like algorithm. So you say, for instance, if there is a beam that will get connected to the middle of the other. So you built up some sort of a relationship rather than um, going uh, through individual element and trying to model the element um, manually. Uh, but what is, um, and what happened here is just that you essentially operate on a bunch of data um, And we are not talking about what platform yet. Like it could be Grasshopper, it could be Dynamo, it could be Python or whatever. Like we're not talking about that yet. But like, it's essentially work uh, on the data. So 
um, rather than trying to manually model things. So that's that's why the, where the power of computation is, I believe. And what is I think also is very interesting in that um, sense is that to uh, some extent it allows us like not that human intuition is a bad thing, but like what happened using these computational uh, platforms allows us to um, essentially make decision based on data rather than human intuition. That's that's where I think the most power of these platforms are. So like, because you can run different type of analysis on well, whatever it is, it might be uh, an environmental analysis, it might be um, depending on the domain that you work, but like it's essentially produce a lot of data and give you a huge um, pool of data that you can analyze and make your decision based on that rather than um, um, the conventional way of uh, modeling yeah. things in the computer. Yeah, totally, I totally agree with you on that one. Like, uh, uh, I, I completely believe that computation is something that can be used for improve the analysis of the projects and not only create like crazy geometry, and one of one of the main things that I I, I have recently been learning is uh, to actually really work on process all my data with Python, and the mm -hmm. things that you can actually do on, on when processing data is like really really fun, and yeah. totally like getting getting rid of the intuition of the of the human because intuition at the end is just intuition. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> which could be like I mean like if it is in the right context it could be a good thing right yeah, but yeah. like <laughs> but at the same time like I don't know for instance like when we have these tools now as you probably need uh, like you guys know that's just like environmental analysis plugin for um, grasshopper called ladybug for instance that allow you to run environmental mm -hmm. analysis so you might have a vertical fin on the facade of the building and you want to know what is the optimal rotation angle of the fin to block the maximum amount of the sun receiving by the uh, to minimize the um, amount of sun received by the um, whatever area is behind that facade so like you can actually come and calculate the exact angle of the panel for instance like i don't know like 70.35 degree or something <laughs> so that you can like really do these things with um conventional way of um yeah with the, so, yeah with the typical intuition we have of the movement of the sun or 12 yeah 100 percent yes that's where i think like uh or like you can even like talk about other application in the sense for instance if you are designing a <laughs> Um, train station and then you want to know um, the required width of the or like gates that open to the um, uh, train station so like based on the number of the people who pass through that gate sort of so like it's essentially like you can measure GPS data of the people mobile phone mm -hmm. and see like or like come up with some sort of a prediction to see like okay this um, this is station on the left hand side we're gonna have three times people going through the gate so like let's make it three times wider or like i mean like these are just um you know like i'm not saying that these are um need to be done but like i mean like these are the type of application that you can think of no and i think like nowadays that we are starting to see this kind of revolution of technology being uh, uh, implemented in our in our field in in the field of aec we are going okay. to start to see more and more um Technology, more uh, devices playing a, a big role inside the the design of the buildings, the design of the cities, 
even with this whole thing when the when people were saying, "Hey, uh, how are we gonna come back to the office?" I still don't understand why we, why, why people want to come back to the office. Myself, yeah. you know, I, I really like the the home the home thing. But um, <laughs> but like even with this with this one of the things that I noticed like everyone was okay. How 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 can we use generative design to to come back to the office and make an analysis? But, and it's just like a you know like a first kind of like way to use it, but. Uh, but I truly believe like um, that the way cities are going to be changing by these kind of situations is going to be way farther than just like going back to the office. But the whole inter interaction that we're going to start to see in the cities is going to be really uh, linked to the technology, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, so, um, yeah, one other thing I just uh, can think of uh, at the moment to talk about is just like the computation also allows for, because I, as I said, like essentially we built a relationship or an algorithm to define the geometry. So like um, that, what happens there, it allows us to like have certain um, uh, parameters <laughs> defined into our definition. As we know, like for instance, if you have a bridge, we can, the width of the bridge could be a parameter, the length of the bridge could be a parameter or number of the poles or whatever parameter that you, because essentially these platforms are programming platforms. So it's nothing mm -hmm. written there yet. So like you can build up your own um, definition there. But like what happened here is just like, it's very interesting because once this um, parametric relationship between parameters are defined, then what allows, um, what what it lets us to do is just like you can change the parameter and get an totally entire different geometry as a result of it. So like uh, what this allows us, as you just mentioned, in going down the path of generative design, you can change all of these parameters and create a very wide domain of the designs that then you can evaluate each design and pick the optimal one in a sense, whatever your uh, um, requirement is or whatever that function is that you're trying to optimize. So like that's a very interesting um, kind of approach as I believe because it's like it creates a wide, a very wide, essentially unlimited um, domain of design that you could design and can pick up from. Yeah, totally. Like uh, one of one I actually really like what you're seeing there because uh, one of the main things, so the, the one of the things that caught my attention when I started doing parametric design was the freedom that I had to play with the code and play yeah, with the design, you know. It was just like, now it's not the, I'm limited by by my mind instead of being limited by the software, you know. And yeah, that's, when you, yeah. that's when you start like getting more like um, uh hungry you want you want to know more you want to experience more about you know mathematics like uh before i, I remember myself even when i was studying like uh in my in my university like you know the the, the way they typically show us architect uh, architecture and construction was you know like grab a pen full inspiration you know like be an artist yeah. and stuff like that but i didn't see anything like uh related to to programming and when mm -hmm. I when I when I started like knowing about programming, I was like, man, like I, I should have know this way way before then. Just, yeah, uh, you know the inspiration. <laughs> This is this is very interesting because these fields are like evolving just now, and like it's like as we talk, they are evolving. So like, yeah. every like how I see it, it's a never-ending journey for me to learn. Like every day, like I spend time to learn new things, but there are new plans. A lot of people are doing their PhD on it, so it's a very quite um, interesting environment in a sense that like every day there is a new kind of set of tools out there. And um, I think how it's going to go is just like people are going to get specialized in a certain set of tools within the yeah. platform. Um, 
and being able to like actually run certain type of analysis quickly in some sense. No, yeah, and, totally, and, and totally also it's 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 evolving so fast that sometimes it's like why should I? What is the thing that I need to learn now? You know, and yeah. and that comes that comes with a, another question that I wanted I wanted to talk with you. It's like a, oh. who can work in computational design? You know, is there anyone that has a specific skill? Is there a person that uh, well, uh, see, like uh, I walked into um, personally, I can just talk about my own personal experience. Like um, I personally walk into the computation well before, like it was just like my the attribute that I can describe myself with was like, I really liked geometry and I liked um, overall, I liked coding somehow. Like, so like then these two merged and when I started studying coding, like I wasn't, it wasn't quite clear for me. Like I remember back then I was working as a structured draft and then like this, um, my boss in the company, I'm like, oh, I'm going to study programming. And he like, well, why don't you study a structure engineering that then we can work together? I'm like, no, but this is what I want to do. So it's just like when I started doing this, you know, the horizon wasn't like even open. Like I didn't know where I'm going to end up that where I ended up. Like, so it was by accident in a sense, if you like, that uh, I realized that coding can actually help because these things, as I said, are just evolving as, as we're talking. So it's very quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah so that's, uh, I hope I answered your question. Is it, did I? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and if not, <laughs> we're okay with it. No, but so, yeah, like I, I, I think so, it's, yeah, good. Uh, so, so to to go back to your your question, it's just like I think um, the um, one common attribute of the people who want to be a computational designer is that they shouldn't be as scared of coding. Like in like you know, like I'm not saying that they need to know all these different platforms, but that at least something which they need to like kind of be a little bit familiar, like know how to manipulate Excel behind the scene and this type of like if and or loop and this kind of things are like. Um, like essentially um, knowing flowcharts and um, all that, yeah, it can help. But um, and of course, experience. Like if if we are talking certainly about like I don't know specifically about Revit, for instance. So of course, uh, experiences in those fields gonna count as well. So um, yeah, totally. Because at the end of the day, when when you're using Grasshopper, or you're using Dynamo, you're you're working with um, well, let's call it there, there are not properly um, geometrical elements because you're mm -hmm. working with nodes, you're working with functions, and you mainly have to understand the data that you are using to to build uh, the geometry that you will go for the um, pursuit after. No, but um, but I th I really believe that um, that uh, the the way we we have to understand technology is that uh, it's a tool that is here for help to help us, you know, to make our life even better and simpler. And it has the power for our minds to actually flow even better. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's the way I see it. You know, even, even if um, normally we, we don't build every day like crazy uh, random geometries or like uh, double curve uh, geometries or anything like it's super complex. I think um, not yet. Yeah, not, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope I hope uh, I hope uh, it's, we start doing that before we have to leave this world, man. But <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was it was so funny. Like I was having um, a chat with a friend of mine who's actually here. Like he's a, a musician, and he was telling me that um, how music started from being complex 
going simple and now it's coming back to be complex. I can yeah. see the same kind of trend in architecture. Like you see uh, a buildings from 100 years ago, like you look at this building, I'm just like, my God, what they've done, like we are not even close with all these ugly boxes that we build these days. Yeah. Because obviously yeah. they're all like um, money driven and like, you know, the actual art of architecture is kind of left behind. Yeah. But like it looks like that, like by this type of technologies, we are going back to more complex algorithmic geometry like you bring in 3d printing you bring in um um i don't know you name it like all this new technology allows us to come up with more complex um designs for the building rather than um, yeah and, 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 and I'm, I'm gonna go back to the music thing that uh you were saying from your friend i'm also i'm also oh, i consider myself as a musician as well Okay, and, uh, sure. Okay, so I don't uh, know much about yeah, music. Yeah. I just yeah. <laughs> so, so, so do you validate what I said? Or? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like it's it's kind of true. Like uh, the way the way things uh, music was super complex. You know, like classical music was like all these sounds, all these layers inside. And now, mm -hmm. and after that, we come with the punk rock music. You know, like just two two strings and a and a drum. And I think. Yeah, it's totally true. Right now, like we we enter this this kind of like tradition of oh, our cool architecture is just one box, with mm -hmm. you know like another you know, like like layer there and just like a nice thing, and with parametric architecture with uh, programming, we start, I'm starting to see like some some really really crazy and difficult designs being done, but uh, at the same time really simple to build. You know, it's yeah. just it's just the way that uh, the code allows you to operate to kind of come with like something that is really beautiful to our uh, uh, perception of beauty, how, uh, the way everyone have it. But it's just like, a, it's just a really amazing how sometimes just like a few lines of code or just like a few notes, if you're using Grasshopper or Dynamo, uh, well, well used with a good amount of, creative, of creativity there, you can come up with a really, really awesome solution thanks to computation, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. And I believe these tools are just picking up. A lot of people are spending time on this. So we are just at the beginning. We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Like things going to change for good. Like when you bring robotic into construction, and these are possibilities yeah. that we are talking. Like, I mean, like now we all see it as like, oh, something that might happen. But like these are actually real. And especially with COVID coming today. Uh, entire equation i think we are advancing quite fast so yeah um, finger crossed there like let's see what happened and uh, <laughs> what we can do as a because it's it's kind of funny um the other funny thing is just like i always remind myself that like whatever i'm able using to um, use all of these like um, crazy platforms powerful platforms but what i always remind myself of is like this is built on top of everyone knowledge so we are sharing the knowledge it's a common knowledge between human beings so how do we contribute to this and um thanks and what are you doing by recording uh these videos and dis uh, distributing it like i mean like this is an awesome way of to raise awareness and because this is not a one-man task like it's like you know like we need the entire yeah. we need to be culture around it as well to um to bring this because like going back to the issue of culture just something came to my mind i wanted to talk it's just like um i remember in this company that the structure engineers were working um they had won um about 120 bridges to model existing bridges they wanted to model in revit okay. um the normal process they model the bridge was 
Um, for instance, somebody sit there, model the bridge manually in Revit, and then um, annotated and everything. But like we ended up um, building this uh, Dynamo graph that what it was is like for the engineers who go and visit the site, enter the data uh, and result of your inspection into the Excel spreadsheet. And then automatically a Dynamo graph get connected to the Excel um, file and create the geometry of the bridge in a click nice. of the button. So like it was like, well, uh, normally it takes three days um, to build a bridge. Uh, but like we were able to make it in less than a minute. I mean, like nice. um, after after creating the Dynamo graphs. But the thing that I found was like is it kind of like there was this huge resistance against using it. Like it's like in Jesus, mm -hmm. like no, this is not how we do. It. And because the way that we, um, as a human, we get trained and used to the the very old way of working. Yeah. So a lot of people see these things as a threat to their. Uh, actual work that they do. They don't want to use this type of technology because they think it's going to put them out of the job and all of this resistance. But essentially we saw the same kind of resistance in other industries like automation, car or car making industries and stuff that like a lot of um, tasks are getting done um, by robots at the moment. But like the same um, concept, that's why I'm talking about building a culture within the construction industry is really yeah. important. Because if we want to bring these changes, like if we don't want to just talk about it and actually 3D print a house. So yeah. it's <laughs> like, you can imagine 3D printing in a house, like how many trades can be cut off? Or I'm not saying it's a good thing or bad thing, but that's inevitable. Like it's going to happen in one way or another. So um, people have to like, you know, either up a skill or do something else. But like there is a huge resistance in general, like in against of this type of radical changes because it can yeah. change a lot of things. So that's another thing that need to be think of, like, just, like we need to think about it, like how. Yeah, no, totally. Like uh, right now, one of the services we are trying to offer here in uh, in Aves is uh, fabrication and robotics. We have a, mm -hmm. uh, a person that is specialized in that, and and uh, and we have a, a podcast episode with it, with her actually that's in Spanish. Uh, well, for anyone that speaks Spanish, if you are able to to go for it, go and listen to it. But we're talking about this kind of like fear of like uh, what will happen when we start like when the industry actually starts to use a lot of robots. Yeah. In the in the field, you know, and and one of the things that I that we were mentioning was that um, I, I, in the the way I see it, at least personally, uh, I wouldn't speak for anyone else, but uh, the way I see it is that if I'm gonna work as a let's say that I work in a supermarket and I'm just like passing products every day during like six hours in my life, you know, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful with anyone, but I, I, that will, that that is not that job that uh, when you're a kid, you dream like, hey, I want to just pass items during the whole day for six hours, you know? And I think like in a, in a way, I, I, I believe it's similar in construction, you know, like, uh, like I think people will start to spend more time in, in doing creativity or doing a creative process or working, yeah. can, can spend more time on that rather than just, you know, go and, and uh, be tired during the whole day like uh it's construction yeah. like anyone that's seen construction knows that it's a really hard job like and ain't easy to be all day in the side and, and doing stuff you know so I, I i really think like robots and fabrication are here to make our life even better rather than uh come and destroy the the, the job or the or the, or the portfolio of anyone else yeah I, I see it exactly the same way like it's just like these are the tools for us to use to make our life easier and um not the tools that we need to compete with so like it's, it's very important yeah.
So, so, so this and and this comes with another question, and I think you you already have like uh, speak a bit about what is uh, what what are the main challenges that we have to us uh, to implement this computational design with with the industry with the clients. You were saying like we have this cultural gap right now, the the fear to go from the traditional to the to the yeah. to implement Dynamo. But is there anything else that comes to your mind that it's a big challenge? Um, see, like, as I said, like, it's a cultural issue that I, like after all this, like battles and then like argument at work <laughs> and then like all this, <laughs> like, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's all come back to the culture of the environment. I think like if, if, if the mm -hmm. culture allow for innovation and if the management is like, actually can, they can see the power and potential that like technology can offer constructions uh, firms. So. Um, it has a tremendous, like, um, I think it's all cultural. So like what I was, I've been doing, okay. I've been trying to build up a uh, cultural awareness around it. And of course, like trying to like train people to upskill to certain, uh, to use of some, some of these platforms. So, yeah. But I think like it's, it's at the end, it's all cultural. Yeah. You, you, that's, that's, that's actually a really good point. And, and another thing that, uh, well, in, in our case right now that we are building this team, uh, when I when I start like uh, uh, to build Avis, uh, which is the project that, that we are working right now, I'm actually I, I'm actually trying to get a specific uh, people right now to get involved with the project, you know, because uh, just like you're saying, uh, like I want a culture of technology, I want a culture of people that wants to mm -hmm. to do a change on in the industry, to think out of the box. Which sometimes you know you go to a company and you you're yeah. like, hey, let's do something out of the box and bring something out of the it's going to take you like four months and you're like well it should take like two days <laughs> you know uh but but yeah and yeah. for and for me another one 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 big problem that i i am still trying to figure out how to make it better is how to explain it properly to clients you know yeah, besides, sure. besides the culture like because the clients are the ones that are paying for stuff and sometimes yeah. clients um if you're lucky, you have a person that don't really understand the process of, uh, you know, of design, but they don't know anything about computation or, yeah. or anything similar. You know, so I think how how can we how can we express these um, disadvantages to clients? Sure. Um, just just uh, I wanted to like uh, emphasize on one point regarding the um, previous yeah. Uh, conversation. Yeah, go, go, so, go, go. Like, so, um one mm, huge change is that, like you say, like at the moment, the construction is very fragmented. So every business, they see their own kind of uh, profit and entity at the first of the agenda. So like you say, architecture, like, oh, this is what we do, a structure engineer, this is what we do. But in reality, like it's really fragmented and using these tools is quite possible to uh, build a common data environment that the same data going to get shared from um initial uh, conceptual design phase within the architecture all the way the same set of data flow through a structural engineering analysis um, platforms and coming back to digital fabrication so it could be a connected working environment okay. uh, like for instance now you say like architects built their own revit model and structural engineers you go back there it's just like for me, it's disaster because <laughs> when you see it, it's just like architecture, a model, come back, 
we built a structural Revit model and within the structural team, it's quite divided as well. Like you say, structural engineers, they have their own analytical tool that they model their model in it. And then the output they write on a piece of paper, pass it into the drafters within the structure engineers to implement. So like you just can see how many times we repeated ourselves already within this process. Why not yeah. connect the same, um, why not connect the same conceptual architectural model directly into a structure analysis toolkit that is quite possible to do using Dynamo or Grasshopper and then um, automatically generate um, when I say automatically, like I don't mean 100%, of course, there's, there are things that need to be done manually, like uh, annotation and things like that. I'm not, I'm not talking about like, I mean, like at least automate a big chunk of the work. And yeah. so it would be a connected working environment. But what stops us from using this kind of workflows? Like when you think there's just like a structure and you're just like, no, we have our own fee. So like in general, like if they cut off and they are scared that they're going to lose a certain amount of the work that we have, but it's, um, they have because now they charge um, the clients of building all of these models mm -hmm. again. So mm -hmm. like it will reduce the cost significantly uh, using um, these things. But as I said, it comes back to the cultural issue. <laughs> so yeah. people try to earn more money and then make more tasks, work. Yeah. I mean, like within the structure engineers, what like um, really bugged me for a while was how this, um, they use this like different tools, like I don't know, ETAB, Strand7 or whatever, they run the yeah. analysis on it. And then the result was passed onto the paper, passed to the draft. I'm like, this is just redundant. Like, why don't you at least like, get the result of your analysis and just chuck them into some sort of a text file format, CSV format, or some sort of data um, repository yeah. that we can read directly. Then like you say, okay, I updated my model, then the, you know the, um, platform your revit structure model is automatically updated as well but yeah um, yeah, I don't know. yeah this yeah is i i i one one of the things that i completely agree with you is that uh we tend to send everything to the paper you know we tend to send everything to a cat mm -hmm. drawing and that's the the way with that well it's been we always worked for, yeah. for years you know and also one of one one of the things that i i think is um it's a it's a gap that we have between universities and and companies is that okay, university gives you sometimes tools that are for people that is working right now with computation like few universities are looking at it you know and mm -hmm. uh, maybe maybe a few programs right now are teaching properly grasshopper dynamo you know 100 mm -hmm. yeah. you know like how to read data and stuff like that but well at least in my experience you go to a you go to a company and and what they are selling is uh, they are selling actually drawings. They are not selling the data, which mm -hmm. data I uh, at least well, and that's another like dream that I have, this and is, I hope it comes yeah. comes true that uh, in the future we're gonna start like selling data rather yeah. than doing drawings. This is very interesting what you're saying. It's like um, it kind of limits us. Um, it limits us for like um, to stops us from having complex geometry because essentially if you have a um, complex facade on the uh, facade of your building that where every um, panel is different with the other one, then bringing those into the drawings wouldn't help. Like what you need yeah. there is kind of um, data, set of data to be passed to the digital fabricator. So this is interesting because it can change everything, like in terms of how um, we work with the data. If you want to um, build a complex 
um, facade for the building, it might not necessarily be the case that it work out more expensive. Yeah. But because um, because of this, all these complex forces has to be cut out. Like if you want to go to the complex geometry, it's not like you can put them drawings to the like you know to the drawing and uh, fill it in into the robotic. It has to be the same uh, continue continuous flow of data, and that's where yeah. I think it can actually change a lot of things. Like this complex shape, I see. I'm like, yes, it's gonna change things <laughs> <laughs> because like it doesn't yeah. work with the traditional model. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Like it, it might, it may work for a box, but uh, yeah, maybe that's the reason we have boxes at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Just to simplify the job and uh, <laughs> to, yeah, uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think nowadays we with this with these people with people pushing boundaries and. Uh, and sharing more, just like you were saying at the beginning, with COVID, everything's going faster with this huge. Uh, I, I think I think COVID uh, personally, I think I think it was a great benefit in in terms of the society. Maybe some people will think that I'm crazy about it. But like <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to offend anyone, but I think it, it really it really uh, give a leaf to the wall of the internet and the power of the internet. And what you 100%. can do nowadays with the with the technology, you know, like just getting used to a new format that uh, mm -hmm. I, it should, in personal, I think it should be like this, like uh, before COVID even start, you know. But uh, yeah. but we're going for it. We're going for it. And um, another another question that uh, I would like to to talk about is like, um, why does programming become a part of computational design? You know, like if if we are mentioning okay, computational design we're talking well let's let's think about computation just like in a general overlook you know computation can be cat drawings computation can be uh, well it's this application just to write like work like uh, a powerpoint something that everyone is familiar but what does programming actually uh makes in our in our field you know like normally programming was uh like an automation process that uh companies start to use but this to make an application for something uh, simple, you know, mm -hmm. like a ping pong uh, game, like uh, something easy. But now we have programming in architecture and construction. How how do you feel so, about this? See, the way that I see it, it's just like in general, I would like to think of um, computation and programming in um, two different, there are two different avenues in this. Like one first branch of the computation, I think it's going to go down the path of system design and system implementation. You use and create something um, that can be reused over and over in various um, projects, financially more feasible, of course. Um, so like it's something that you build and can be uh, used um, again and again. I'll give you an example of this. But like the second avenue would be project specific application that like you built a specific geometry which is computationally defined but it's only for a certain one single project so it might yeah. like you know so it's just the like i think these two are important but like for instance for the first one we developed this um um system if you like yes like it's it was a system i call it that like um what it was um it was getting all the um you know how in structural Revit element you define the columns and then like there was a text field that they filled up all the reinforcement used within the structural column. Yeah. So this um, uh, little system that we wrote, it was working on Excel 
Dynamo and Python. Most of the calculation was done in Python. Uh, it was nice. calculating the total um, amount of reinforcement used within the design, extracting all of those information, geometrical data out of um, Revit, all of those labeled data, if you like, out of the Revit and all the text parameters out of the Revit, parse them, bring them to and bring them to Dynamo, and then from Dynamo to Python to calculate how much the total reinforcement within the Revit model works. So, like originally, how they used to do this was like they're getting a graduate student sitting there two days, well, I don't know, two days, half a day, it depends, um, calculating how much reinforcement was within the design, how was reinforcement was added to the design because um there were many cases that like um the um they come back from the so there have been argument and distribution about like how much reinforcement they allowed within their design or how much reinforcement was actually used within the project. So they needed to have some sort of system to say, okay, this is how much we allowed for. So like it's the world, like you know, like a job that was taking as a graduate student two days. Again, I'm not talking about the time of the implementation, which was like take yeah, took yeah. us about three weeks to implement. But then after that, once you have this system, one of process, calculate all of the uh, reinforcement tonnage yeah. in like two minutes, like you know. So yeah. like that's a that's a system implementation that like if you can identify some repetitive task within all the projects. And then like you like going down the process, like, okay, this is something that I want to automate. So obviously that would be more um feasible in a sense of like economically feasible because it's more return on investment obviously but um another um avenue as i just talked would be job specific or project specific for like okay. you say um so that's that's no i mean it's super cool to do this kind of stuff like uh, my, myself i i i when i started like getting involved with the programming uh world uh mm -hmm. at the beginning was to to work with geometry mainly so mm -hmm. i was playing just with geometry and knowing like the, the the things of geometry and after that i moved to the automation part of the task you know mm -hmm. when you start like when when you start to think just uh just like a scenarios to this like how can i save time how can i avoid to do these uh, repetitive tasks over and over and over yeah. which becomes really tired for any human you know and um, sure. and and it's it's just about how you how People one, in the team wants to find the opportunity. Sure. One thing I realized, like I learned this hard way, and I'm just sharing it with everyone. <laughs> it's just I think it's essential. Um, before, like the most important step of implementing a, a system would be, like before even you write a single li a line of code, you gotta sit with people and. Uh, gather the requirements talk people through this like oh this is I'm what i'm gonna build is it gonna get used if it's not why it's not getting used why what what is the problem in this proposal system required and then like build that up that way because that's important in many aspects first it builds up the culture like people are expecting looking forward for this tool to get released rather than you just go to them and then give them a tool and it's like it's just gonna be yeah. another tool that sits there so that's very important like um and I think like it's quite because like most often you might figure out that's like before even spending any time on implementation of the system, it's not something that's going to get used. So, yeah. so let's not even bother with it. Um, I mean, like running custom benefit analysis on the system, like essentially to see how much benefit you might get out of the system or like, yeah. like, you know, it, I found it quite interesting. And, uh, like, I mean, like the most essential part of the system development is to kind of, um, gather the requirements first and talk it through with people.
before you even start writing the very single um, line of code if it's needed to be. Yeah, and that's, and that's really, really helpful for people that is working on, on computational or is getting involved with the, to the to the programming side because I, I will say also that uh, we used to like doing programming or we used to, we used to create applications to, to make life simpler. Sometimes as programmers or as people that are already involved in the field, we just want to program and automate everything, you know, in our heads. Mm. Like, oh, we, I can automate this. Oh, and I can automate this. And it, yeah, we can. But then when we go with, and, and that happened to me as well, a couple of, mm-hmm. of times that I went with people and I showed them, hey, I just created this. You want to use it? And they don't have any idea why to use it. Like, yeah. uh, they they don't really understand it. And, and then that was exactly the problem, you know, that uh, I was just creating stuff before talking with them. And yeah. this is very important. This is like this is essentially, I think, one of the biggest problems that like um, people and uh, people who have to like it's they can't see why it is economically justified. Like yeah. before this, and then like oh, you are spending this amount much of time to automate certain tasks, but like it takes this long, you know. Like if another person want to do it, so like it's really I think it's important to build up the momentum with people around mm-hmm. it before we start actually implementing. Yeah, totally. So that's, that's 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 what I can say. Like it's uh, um uh like what do you say a silver bullet for <laughs> success, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I understand that one. So another question, Alex. How, how do you see the AEC industry moving for the coming years? Uh, how do you feel things are going to start changing? What are the next uh, big steps that you you, you believe? I think the, uh, the very first um, set of changes is like, as, as I just uh, talked about, the like complex geometry will change everything because we cannot produce those complex geometries using conventional methods. Okay. I mean, like we can, but it's, it would be something turning to um, um, the, um, like, I don't know, it would cost a lot, like the chairs that are building in the awesome <laughs> chairs of Guadi building Barcelona, you know, like that building. That yeah. So that's, that's one thing is going to change. I think the, um, uh, common data environment that the same data are gonna flow through um, architects and structural engineer and like going back right to CNC machine in fact and like I don't know digital fabrication whatever method 3D printing is that so that would be a huge change there I mean like people are pushing things like you say by use of IFC which is a, a common data environment like kind of it's a common data um, Format, um, yeah, uh, that that people like it. It can be important to like. I think that's that's a game changer myself okay. as well. I think um, the other thing to look for is um, open source tools. They are okay. awesome. They had like huge, massive potential because they are not driven by um, um, a single. Um, they're not driven for the profit of a single entity, which could be a company. Like, but like, there it's a common knowledge of everyone contributing to this come yeah. uh, to this open source platforms, and they are game changer, I believe, like personally. So, like okay. you said, with the fraction of the cost, this tool that does everything is, and it's it's happening. It's happening gradually, but like yeah. now, people are saying that's just like, why do we have to like big companies like Lendis? So why do we have to invest in? Um, open source kind of, you know, it's just that you see, but people will start to realize these things that like it's a for common good of humanity. So, um, uh, so I think that, yeah, so that's yeah, what I think it's going to change everything. And also data analytical, um, and generative design and, um, I don't want to use the word 
buzzword AI, but AI has like a lot of potential there. Like we can talk about different application of AI if we get there. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it, it will be great to start like seeing all this stuff uh, soon. Sure. You know, like uh, myself, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the example for of uh, generative design. The first time that I look at it. Uh, I was just like, oh my god, what is this? Like, I wanna, I wanna do it, you know. And uh, <laughs> and I, and it just like uh, I when when I saw it for the first time and I started getting involved with it, that was like maybe four, four or five years ago when I was with the first developments that I started like look at the uh, people doing these these kind of operations, and mm-hmm. um, and that was mainly one of the biggest reasons that I was just like started to dedicate my time to study programming and stuff, you know, because. Uh, you know, you see this stuff, you see, you're like, oh, that's super cool. But uh, when you start to go to the, um, to the wall of generative design, to the wall of the data, you start to realize that you actually need to be able to manipulate data, know what you're going to operate with your code, and all this stuff that uh, no, nobody told you before that, uh, hey, if you're going to be an architect or an engineer, you also, it will be good if you can know how to program. Sure. You know? yeah. uh, but, uh, but, but what I was, but my point here is that we are we are going for this kind of stuff. We are going for this open source for this fabrication and robotics. And yeah, it takes time for people to to get involved with it. It's, it's not something that uh, I, w- I I don't believe it's something that happens like from the night to the morning. That's how we say here in, in mm-hmm. Mexico. It's something that people has to pursue. That people has to dedicate time mm-hmm. to it. And after dedicated time and know how to operate it, you have to go out and sell it, <laughs> which is or like, or just like you were saying, like it's a cultural change that we are uh, trying to do here, you know. So I think that's that's kind of like um, in the way that we are going to start moving. I, I completely agree with you with the open source and with the cultural uh, behaviors and the generative design, the AI that is coming. But uh, again, we are only looking at the beginning of it and. Uh, and it's it's going to be brilliant once we still like actually see all this technology being sure. yes, hundred percent in the in a project, you know. Sure, yeah, hundred percent. So it's it's coming. Like we just need more people, and like the tools are like actually really good now. So yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm impressed with the tools that are are out right now. Like I, I was, for example, Hyper. I, I'm I'm pretty sure you 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 mm-hmm. know about Hyper, and um and. And I'm impressed on how how fast they have been evolving this open source platform because uh, it's moving fast. Also, like because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, like I think essentially these are like um, this is uh, goes back to also your question number seven. So uh, I think essentially what we do mm-hmm. with uh, in computational platform, we define a piece of code overall, like you know, like whatever yeah. line your dynamo graph is or your grasshopper definition is. It's a piece of code that like codes are transferable. Like essentially you can um, bring this from like, I don't know, Dynamo to Grasshopper, push it to Python. It is all possible. They all get connected together. So um, so that's where uh, also I think um, it's um, it's interesting. Like one of, in one of your questions you asked like um, um, uh, comparing applications such as Dynamo, Grasshopper, Python, C Sharp and et cetera. Just that like, because we don't have, we're almost about an hour into our um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> times fly. I still can't. Well, I just have to quickly talk about this um, four or five platforms and compare them together and what I think 
um, yeah, uh, yeah. is good there or uh, whatnot. Like, I mean, like, um, Dynamo and Grasshopper really, they are um, visual environment, a visual coding environment. So, like, what it means, like, you know, how we all know that, like, how Dynamo, like, you connect one node to the other. So, like, you essentially build the logic. And there, these nodes are a code of uh, a function defined within those nodes that get executed with the input data and output. So you essentially write a piece of code. Um, what Dynamo like? It's a very like it's quick and easy to develop code uh, code in yeah. these platforms. Um, the bad thing about them is like they're hard to debug. Like yeah. the tools that you can, like the way that you can debug codes in Python or C Sharp, it's a lot more robust than, than what you can do. But like, it's a trade-off. Like you built up something very quickly and then like, you know, it's buggy. It's not as robust as like, it's, as if you yeah. were writing something 100% in Python or C Sharp. So that's the downside of those things. But like the good side is just like, it's visual, like it's geometry, like, you know, like you can also um, see this. But like um, Dynamo was, I love Dano. <laughs> like I love Dano. It's been, <laughs> and I've been knowing it for a very long time. But it's just like it was a stepping um, ground for me into computation because originally, like you know, like I was writing API, like programming what they call a plugin for Revit API, but then like it's just it's Dynamo came and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like you could do things, <laughs> and it was just like a stepping ground for me. And then like from there, it moves. Like I mean, like Dynamo, you can always have your Python code yeah. and Python library in it. So it opens up to one of the richest, um, yeah. you know, programming in my scripting languages, Python out there. Python, Python is, yeah, I'll get back to that in a second. But like, um, so that's that's why I like Dynamo. Also what, what it allows to happen, it's just like, because Revit essentially is a database. So like elements created in Revit, they have all the geometrical data and uh, attached to those elements also all the, Text file or no, not text file. What do you call it? The um, prop no parameters. Text parameters of the elements. <laughs> so like all of those like attached. So there is a lot of data within, a lot of labor data. Like people actually sit there and model things. So it's there is a lot of information there within built in into the Revit model. So because a lot yeah. of the work is manual process. But what happened here? Dynamo lets you to kind of dig into those labor data in a sense that mm -hmm. like you can know. Uh, so the, in that sense, it's rich. And I, I think mm -hmm. like it's quite like the way that you can extract those data, like Grasshopper is not quite there yet in terms of yeah. beam data I'm talking, in terms of beam data. But um, in terms of geometry, Grasshopper is another world. Like it's kind of, um, uh, the geometry engine of Rhino is a lot more flexible um, than what it uh, what it is in um, Revit. So, like you can create more complex geometries within Rhino and Grasshopper. What I also like about Grasshopper, yeah, what I also like about Grasshopper is like it has a very quite rich um, community uh, who contributes a lot to all these plugs in. Like with Dynamo, it hasn't been the case. I know that it is changing now. Like there are kind of like previously, historically, like you look at that, how Dynamo was handling the plugin for it. It was nowhere as clean as um, 
nice as grasshopper does it so like yeah this caused over the years i mean like it's, things are changing now well i'm not um i'm not implying anything but like historically i'm talking like that's why grasshopper started to have a lot more rich in much richer environment in terms of the plugin comparing to dynamo but they yeah. are um so it's it's a advantage and disadvantage of these things there but um as i said um Dynamo has access to beam data, but now, like you know, um, talking um, technologies like Revit inside and all that, yeah. um, so it's changing. So, like as I said, it's like the platform is getting more interconnected. So that's a future trend. So yeah, that's um, and that's a really, really, really good thing. Like, at the end of the day, one of the one of the things that I believe is like you cannot. I'm, I'm gonna go from from the point that you cannot. It's impossible to know everything, you yes. know. But at the same time, like with the tools that you you have, in the case you have Grasshopper, if you have Dynamo or any mm. tool, know your tools and know when to use which one. I think that's mm. really important, you know. Like instead yeah. of just uh, trying to do everything with just one tool, because uh, even yeah, even my even myself right now, I'm I'm trying to with data especially. I'm trying to take it to extract my databases in a in a CSV file or an Excel file, mm -hmm. and then just run analysis in just in Python, you know, like just yeah. and, and in a just like in something like Google Colab or Jupyter Notebook or something like that, because that makes yes. easier to manipulate just data, you know. And also, it's really cool the things and the open sources that you have to create graphs and create uh, images that you can explain the project to to a client. And make make them understand the bunch of data that normally we are like people like you, people like uh, maybe like me or other people that has experience on it. Uh, sometimes maybe it's enough to see Dynamo and see that the data is there for us. But when you want to show it to someone else, well, they they're not going to understand what is all is, what is uh, what are we looking at. But if you put it in colors and in a really cool graph, they're going to be like, oh, that's yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah, you are you are absolutely right. It's just like um you gotta like I was telling the students at um Sydney Uni that just like I personally am no take no shame at Googling things. Like you know, like the domain of the knowledge just got so wide that's just like I'm gonna code. I'm like, oh, is this Python coding or is this C sharp syntax? So there is so much happening. So like I'm like, I have no shame absolutely in like Googling things up and then even be very open about it. And it's just like, you know, um, it's just like um, things are fast and changing fast. It's like the domain of knowledge is so big that like we know there is not enough time in one person's life <laughs> to know all of this. So, sure. so like, I think that's where like collaboration is really important. So like it's... um. It's that. But going back to the going back to the um, program, and then like uh, we talked Dynamo and Grasshopper, but um, I just want to quickly talk about Python and C Sharp as well, and compare okay. them to each other. So as you just said, like Python, um, uh, fastest growing language um, scripting language out there, easy human readable syntax, yeah. awesome for um, um handling large amount of data and data manipulation like it has beautiful like super rich um libraries that sit on top of the data and like i don't know panda framework you can uh, mm -hmm. name one of them or um yeah you have i don't know you name it there are like so that. many library within python um 
it's easy to write code, but the downside of it in comparison to C Sharp or other uh, uh, program languages like C++, for instance, is um, it doesn't allow, well, it does, but it's complex. Like uh, it makes things a little bit more complex because it, it doesn't let you to uh, write code in the object-oriented uh, format. So like C Sharp or C++ allows you to have application built more in a modular way like you can have different module defined and then link them quickly together so like it would be object oriented programming that's that's where like if you want to write a large application or um something that need to do a lot of um iteration over the data com like computation mm -hmm. and it's kind of you want to create a good visual like um visual interface or gui for your application yeah. then these are c sharp is the way to go because python doesn't give you those options but python has beautiful super rich setup library to operate on the data and all this ai and all of those like if you want to go down that path so essentially data analytical um python um application development c sharp so but having said that you know when um uh, you know how to code you know how to code different languages just matter of as yeah. you said just training yourself on different syntax that takes a little bit of time so yeah and um, just like you were saying google it google it yeah, google. yeah no shame <laughs> take no shame yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah that's and 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 to end it well to end the episode I, I mean I, I would love to 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 have more hours to speak and share with people but uh, to finish the episode uh, Alex I, I I've been looking to the to your experiments if I can call it like that sure. that you've been playing with geometry a lot recently and doing some pretty printed and uh, to be honest that's really cool geometry that you've been working on and uh, thank you and I really like the. I really like, uh, especially when people start doing just experiments, just because, you know, like no reason for, I think that's the only Not way to, to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because, yeah, that's the only, re that's the only way to actually evolve in this field, you know, to experiment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, to be curious as well uh, in the, in the platform. So could you, could you tell us a, a bit of this? So, yeah, like lately I've been, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a plugin for, um, well, this is what I'm doing at the moment. Like I'm writing a um, plugin for Grasshopper to okay. deal with um, sacred geometries, like, you know, yes. pyramid, um, tetrahedron, and I'm essentially like obsessed with how um, toruses, like the shape of the torus, and how this geometry links together, and you can see them everywhere in the nature, and that just fascinates me. Like you say, nice. you can see how the snail's um, shell is evolved, or how flowers. It's like it's everywhere, and I think we have we have not paid enough attention of how beautiful nature is, in a sense, and how much like mathematics is hidden in nature so like this computational platforms it allows me to come up with quite complex complex geometries yeah. but it's still relatively simple logic behind it and then like you see how like you you can see how a cell divided to one one cell divided to two cell and then the fibonacci sequence how two cell divided and then like you add this you built up this um, you build up this relationship or algorithm and then like you change or you tune up your algorithm, then this geometry jumps up and you're like, my God, this is just <laughs> like, you know, like you build up on the logic of the, like, I don't know, sacred geometry, division, 
pi and phi and all of those you consider. So that's where I'm like, and there's no end to it. Like just like it's just going like a good dive deeper, and there's more, and there is yeah, more, there's more. So, <laughs> so I'm very fascinated with all the concept of the pyramid or tetra and, and organic geometry. So, so yeah. this is so we could say that this is just a, a passion that you you have with it, and hundred percent. But like I think like this can change a lot of things. Like I mean, like the design that comes out, like it's naturally. Um, it looks natural and I will know it has so much attribute in, in terms of like, I don't know, you name it, like yeah. um, it, it can shape electromagnetic field, even if you want to, or it can, you know, it has certain property, these type of geometries that you can see yeah. in crystals. And then um, crystals is like geometry of the crystals are amazing in atomic level I'm talking. And these tools yeah. allow, like, because you can model anything, essentially, it can go from macro to, um, um to microphone to microphone micro to macro and, yeah and to macro to yeah like go from the universe um stars come back to the atomic level like yeah. you know these are just the logic and it's just fascinating i think like for me it's just like it's gonna change a lot of things hopefully <laughs> so in terms of yeah. like real things that like 3d print things that conduct electricity better, for instance, and use these things in yeah. actual design of the uh, electronic device or going up to the construction level. So hopefully, yeah, I don't know. Good. These, uh, are, these are research. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's, the, that's the only way to do it. But at the, at the end of the day, we start, we are finally getting to the point that we have the technology and, uh, and well, just like you, uh, Alex, we have the people and we have the minds that are working on building this, you know, so, so more yeah. people can just jump in and, and interact with it. 100%. Like you see, like I was looking at the, like for instance, Leonardo da Vinci, who lived 500 years ago, he didn't have the set of tools that we have now, but still he managed to like figure out fundamental rules within the nature. And we like, we have this knowledge. It's just a matter of like um, getting what like building on top of the shoulder of the legends who lived before us yeah, and passed totally. us all of this knowledge and then let's just bring computation to it hopefully to see where it ends yeah i mean if da vinci was in our time looking at the boxes that we are doing now like <laughs> i'm not sure if he was yeah. in the mcdonald or not <laughs> <laughs> given the economics <laughs> it's so um, uncertain yeah like yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's that's brilliant. But um, do you have a do you have a date for this plugin to come out? Uh, oh, it's work in progress. Like I still I can sure. release it. I can I can release it now. Like it has about ten components on it. But I, I, I need to I need to like um work a little bit more on it. So it's yeah. like I'm not taking any like I'm not in a rush for it. Like you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's but sounds really cool. Like. Uh, just let us know okay. once you put it out there so people can just jump in and start playing with yeah. it. But um, but Alex, uh, well, to end the episode, thanks thanks for being here uh, to give us a, a head up about what, what's your vision, what, how did you start in the field. It's been great to, to listen to you. If there's anything else you want to share with the audience for today? Yeah. No, just like... Um... Um, I've been active on LinkedIn, so I've been uh, quite uh, actively posting on LinkedIn about the progress of this plugin that I make and stuff. So um, people, if you want to know more about the type of geometry that I'm working on, or if you want to um, help 
um, if you want us to help each other to build something there, like I'm more than happy to, um, I'm more than happy to kind of um, contribute, set up a, a GitHub repository somewhere, or then share codes there and build up on top of that. So I just wanted to share that. So please follow right. me on LinkedIn. That's that's all. All right. Well, Alex, thanks again okay. for being here. And uh, no worries. We'll you have you a, like, it's probably one. Yeah, it's one AM there. So, yeah. like, uh, I'll let you go. All right. Thank you so much for, for the organizing. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye.